Speak to my weary heart, strengthen my broken parts, lead me to your open arms. Word of truth, illuminate all these lies. The enemy speaks inside, and freedom I will rise. Cause you call me out from the awesome to be with each of you today. Um, we have an opening scripture in chapter 17 of Exodus, so if you're in the church's Bible, if you would turn to page 80. And as we're turning there, uh, we want to uh, remember the family of Olga and Linda. Um, Olga's daughter, Michelle, and one of her children were tragically killed in a car accident this last week. And uh, two of Olga's grandchildren will be coming to live with her, uh, Gabriel and Everly. And so this sweet family has endured a great tragedy. And so uh, we want to pray that the Lord would wrap his arms of mercy around them and minister to this family and direct our church for how to care for them. Um, our scripture this morning comes from Exodus 17, and it's probably a story that you know. Uh, there is a king, Amalek, 
who attacks Israel, um, completely unprovoked. Moses tells Joshua to get a group of men together and to go and prepare to fight. And so as Joshua does this, Moses is going to go on a mountain with the rod that God has given him, that God does miraculous signs through. And so the scripture tells us that when Moses raises this staff to the heavens in submission to the Lord, that the Lord gives victory over the enemy. And when Moses gets weary and his arm comes down, that the enemy has victory over Israel. So read with me in this passage, Exodus 17, verses 8 through 12. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men to go and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so he took a stone. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. This story has been such a powerful reminder to me that there is a, an enemy against the people of God. And the enemy needs not be provoked to wage war on God's people because it is their mission. So I pray today that we would realize that we are no match for the enemy on our own strength and that we would be refreshed by God's word in this place, that we would be supported by other believers, and that we would dwell in the presence of the Most High God, that the enemy would have no stand against us. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God Almighty, um, we live in a world that is ruled by our enemy and by your enemy. We pray for Olga and for Linda and for their families that, Lord, their world has been upset and destruction against their family, their daughter, their grandchildren. Lord, we recognize that the enemy is seeking to destroy your people, to bring chaos into their and our lives. And, Lord, we ask to align with you, to be submitted to you, so we raise our hands to heaven this morning, Lord, and we ask that you would strengthen us against this enemy, that you would give us physical and spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear what is your purpose for us. Lord, that you would be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. joy, 
my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is holy bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. Through 
I loved the worship time this morning, and that uh, last song is probably one of my all-time favorite, highest praise, because he is worthy of our highest praise. And I love the message that he has for us today. We're going to be continuing. We've been in John for several weeks. We're going to continue there. So if you will open your Bibles to page 1242, please, if you're in the church Bibles. We're going to be in John chapter 15. And while you are turning there, I'll just recap a little bit from where we talked last week. 
and uh, that is we studied that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus is stating this place that he is the only way to the Father, to the place to exist eternally with the Father. And so he starts out and he says, I am the way. And we looked at that place and that understanding. And he actually gave us some scriptures that showed us that his, in Psalms, that showed us that his word is the light, that is the lamp that lights our path. And so his word is the way, and it's a word to bar. And then he went on to teach us about the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. And this place of the truth is his commandments. He says in Psalms again, your law is truth. And so we see again that God's word has the authority through the blood of Jesus to bring us into the life. And so the very place that Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So to be able to live eternally and exist forever with the Father, we have to come through Jesus, who is the full representation of God's word, his debar, his commandments, and his truth. So with that in mind today, we're going to start, let's look at and start just in the last verse of chapter 14. And so it'll be chapter 14, verse 31. It says, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as, as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. And so Jesus, even here, is kind of summing up. He's saying, the Father gave me commandment. And whatever he gave Jesus, he did. And then he says, arise, let's go from here. So we don't know exactly where they were going. We do know where they've been. They were celebrating Passover together. And so they're leaving that room and going out. And we don't know. Some think that maybe he's talking on the way. Some people think that maybe he's talking as they got to Gethsemane. I'm not sure. But this is, they have left, and this is the place that Jesus is going to teach us today. So verse 1, chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So I want to um, talk about this one place before we kind of move forward into some of the other places. Uh, God really began to show me some powerful things and understandings, but he starts off and he says, I'm the true vine. And when you look up this word, it actually meant a grapevine. So I heard the Lord say to go and pick up a grapevine so I did yesterday and went and picked up this is a grapevine and it's pretty young so it doesn't have a lot of branches on it yet and it doesn't have any fruit so we brought some fruit to go with it but it has a great illustration for us and the vine dresser I've heard a lot of messages on it and how the vine dresser looks after the vine and that is so true but I want to see how 
God explains this place to us, he actually defines what he's doing here. And in the second verse, he says, every branch in me. So every branch in Jesus that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So this is what the vine dresser is doing. And so this is a place that's very difficult sometimes for us to understand the fullness, but I see it's really pretty plain. He says, every branch in me that's in Jesus that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So the two things that the vine dresser does here is he takes away what doesn't bear fruit. And we're going to talk about what that would look like today. And then every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. This word prunes actually means to cleanse. But it means to cleanse by removing elements that are not... um, not desirable, not appropriate. So it actually means to cleanse and to remove undesirable elements. It goes on to say, it says, You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life to his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit and that your fruit may remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may, give you, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. 
So the Lord began to kind of break down some of these places for me. So starting as we were looking at this place of pruning and, and um, actually taking away, then you come to the next verse, chapter 3, and he says, You've already been made clean by the word which I've spoken to you. <clears throat> so I, he has reminded us over and over that this place of his word is what cleanses us, what brings cleansing. But I want to allow you to look at a couple of places. So put your marker here. We'll come right back. But you can see back John 6, a couple of pages back, John 6, verse 63. <clears throat> It says, it is the Spirit who gives life the flesh. I'm sorry. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So it's this, in this, it is the Spirit who gives life to the words that God has given us. And it goes on to say, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. I think this will come to make even greater understanding as we look at some of these verses today. But he's telling us this place of cleansing that comes through the word. And he, uh, if you remember, he talked to the disciples. There was all 12 of them, and he said, You're clean, but I need to wash your feet. And then he said, well, one of you is not clean. One of you has not been obedient to my word and has not received the spirit that gives life. Number, uh, verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So this great understanding, this word abide, means to remain. It also means to stay, but it also means to continue. Abide in me, remain in me, stay in me, continue in me. I could understand this so clearly because I, I, as we looked at the plant, I'm going to move this over here a little bit and talk to you about this plant a little bit because the Lord began to show me. He said, you see, the ones that are abiding in the vine and uh, remaining all have a healthy look to them. So the vine is healthy, the, the branch comes up and it's healthy. As If you could see all of the, let's see if I turn this around, maybe you can see a little bit, how this comes up right here, and it's making a new branch, which we would call the vine, but it's actually the part that's the branch, and then off of that, we would call the leaves, but these are actually part of the vine, and, uh, and so then you see each vine actually becomes a part of the branch that's coming off here. Do you see how that is? But you also see that some of them are beginning to turn brown, turn yellow, and be sickly. And some have even fallen off. And it's, it's amazing because this was on yesterday, 
And I thought about this so clearly that if it completely falls off, it has nothing to feed it anymore. But the leaves that are on here that remain, they can be fed. But the Lord was telling me, he said, Deb, this is so much like we all are. And he said, you know, the vine has everything that the leaves need, every nutrient that they need, all of the all of the refreshing and the, the good things, the water that they need, everything that they need to make them grow and to uh, bear fruit. But these have started to decay, and they will begin to do their own thing by falling off and falling away from the vine. So they're on there, but they're already decaying. And the Lord began to help me to see that as much as how oftentimes we can find ourselves, we can be a part of the vine, we can be in him, but if we're not abiding and remaining, then we begin to deteriorate and to fall away. In um, verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, and he who abides in me will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In other words, he was telling me that everything that we need, everything that we think we need, he will supply what we need. And that we don't have to go outside the vine in any way to provide. And I was thinking about this so often as our circumstances come up, we find ourselves striving to fix a situation. And that's outside of the vine. He's wanting us to abide in him and not get to the place where we're trying to control our circumstances. So I was thinking about this place of abiding, and I asked him, I said, Lord, can you, can you tell me what it looks like to abide? And he said, that's what I'm telling you right here in, in this word. And he said, I'm going to lay it out for you real clear. And he said, if you look in verse 7, he begins to tell us what it is to abide in him. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. He said, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. That is such an interesting verse, and sometimes so misunderstood, because many times people just believe that what this is saying is that you can just come and in Jesus' name declare anything to be true, and that the Bible is saying it should be done for you. But that is not what it is saying. It says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you. And so what the Lord began to help me to understand is this place of his word is to come into oneness with his word. This abiding that the word would remain in you, that the word would stay in you that the word would continue to work in you. You see, it says, my words abide in you. That's his word. Every day we have to be reading in his word to get a fresh word. But not just to get a fresh word for the day, but to get a word that would abide in us, that would continue in us, that would grow in us. But as you do this, what happens is, is that the words not only abide in you, but then as you abide in Jesus, you become in oneness with this place. 
with what his desires are, with what he is directing you. And then it begins to change how you see the circumstances and the situation around us. I have a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. Turn with me back just a couple of pages to John 8, 47. John 8, verse 47. It says, he who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. And so in his word, he talks to us. And if we're abiding in him, we desire to hear those words. And those words begin to change us. And it says, he who is of God hears God's word but that word hears doesn't mean to just hear and then go our our own way it means that it would be a place that we would hear and it would transform our understanding in other words it begins to bring us into a place of balance a place of understanding of what his desire is for our purpose in life through his word turn with me again over a couple of more pages to John 17. We'll be studying this in a couple of weeks, but I want to look at one place, John 17, verse 17. It says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We talked about this earlier, that his laws, his ways, these are truth. His word is truth. And it sanctifies us. It cleanses us. And the word we were reading in pruning is that place of cleansing. And it, this, his word cleanses us. So as we come and read in his word, not only do we hear his word and it brings us into alignment with his purpose, but it shows us things that are not of him and it begins to cleanse us and purify us. We want to be saturated by his word. And when we're saturated by his word, then we will abide in what he is doing and in his purpose. But I want to tell you something that as he showed me this, he said not only that, but I want you to go back and look at verse 7. So back on page uh, 1243, chapter 15, verse 7. This place, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, my words abide in you, then it says you will ask what you desire. I want you to understand what the Lord began to show me that's really powerful right here. He showed me that when you are really trusting in a place of staying in me, continuing in my desires, continuing to walk with me, and you're in my word, and you're being filled up with my purpose for your life, you're being sanctified in these places, then what you ask, your prayer life, will change. He said, do you see that? This place of where the words abide in you, then this place of you will ask whatever you desire changes into my purpose. 
you will begin to align with me and your prayers will change to align with his word and his desires for you. And then it is absolutely true. Everything shall be done. Everything will be done when you are in alignment with him. So the Lord began to show me that this place of abiding in him starts with a place of trusting him. And then it comes to this place of his word abiding in us. And then that feeds into this place of our prayers. So many times our prayers come and they come out of a spirit of the flesh and they come out of fear and they come out of what we think needs to happen and they come out of a place of, of desperation. And the Lord was telling me, he said, that is not abiding. And so over the last few weeks, I have been uh, walking through some places with the Lord that were troubling and concerning to me, and I didn't know how things were going to work out. It didn't look exactly like I thought it should look. And the Lord began to talk to me this last week, and he showed me, he said, Deb, you're not abiding in me because you're worrying about this. Your prayers are how you think things ought to get fixed and how you think it should work out, and you're not even sure how that should look, but you're worried and you're fearful, and your prayers are coming out of that place rather than abiding in me and your prayers coming out of me and my purpose for you and your confidence in who I am the goodness that he is. And as you come in this place of abiding in me, then your my word will come and confirm and restore and build up in you the confidence of the purpose that I have for you. And you will be able to remain. And then your prayers would flow into that place which has the spirit in it and not the flesh. I could see that so clearly. Look down at verse 16. It continues on and it said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. And I love this understanding. And so many times we hear places where people talk about, Well, we were chosen, that you were chosen. And that is so true. You were chosen. And Jesus is saying that right here. He's saying, I've chosen you but, and appointed you. But he goes on then and he says for what purpose that it is. You see, oftentimes we just rest in this fact that, okay, well, great, Jesus has chosen me. And it's like that's the whole picture. That's the whole story. He's just chosen me. And he's all excited that he's chosen me. It's not that place at all. It's saying, I have chosen you and I have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, you, he may give you. You see, it's to fulfill his purpose. He chose you, he appointed you to bear fruit. He created us in this very purpose to bear fruit and that our fruit should remain. 
I love this understanding of this fruit remaining. He has a mission for you. He has a purpose for your life. And that mission and that purpose is to reflect Jesus. That's the mission. Your mission is to reflect Jesus. And Jesus' plan and purpose through God is that when he reflects himself through you, then the kingdom will begin to build and the kingdom will be enlarged and Christ will be exalted. It's his mission and it's his purpose. But I love the way it says it. Let's read this again. He said, you did not choose me and I love that. It's almost like I can hear him saying, Deb, get back in line. You didn't choose me. You think you did sometimes, but you didn't. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And he's saying that because if you remain then your fruit is going to remain because you're going to remain in this place of reflecting who he is on this mission. And then it says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. At that point, it changes us in such a way that we now join him in his purpose and his mission, and all the circumstances around us come under his authority. And the Father would absolutely do whatever is asked to fulfill his purpose. I have some scriptures I want us to look at that Help us to understand this place. Look at Psalms 37. It's on page 641. of places that before I read this one of the things that Jesus told me he said prayer is not to satisfy your natural desires and fix your circumstances prayer is for fruit bearing and God's glory your interest Deb has to be his interest so reading Psalm 37, I just want to read a part of this, but starting in verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. And I thought, boy, it's so true. So these things we fret about, these things that we are concerned about and feel like are not working out, he's saying don't do that. 
Don't fret about that. Don't think about that. But rather, he says in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. In other words, it's exactly what we're talking about. If we're feeding on the things that he's giving us, if we're allowing his word to come into us and to change us and to bring him into that, to bring us into that oneness with his purpose and his will, then he will give us the desires of our heart because they're in alignment with him. He goes on in verse 5, he says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Abiding in him. Let me look at a couple of other scriptures. Look on page 1402 in 1 John. And, of course, we know the writer of 1 John is the, the same author of John, and you can hear that he reflects these understandings. So, page 1402, John 5, verse 14. says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What a great scripture that can be taken out of context. But what John is trying to help us to understand that the things that we ask have to be in alignment with him. And verse 15 says, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So these places have to be in alignment, whatever we're petitioning, that we know it is in alignment with what his desires are. Turn back right here to 1 John 3, just one page back, on page 1400, 1 John 3, verse 22. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And then one more, let's look at this. First uh, John 2, 14, so one more page back on page 1399. No, that's not it. Um, I must have written that down wrong. Let's go to James 4. It's on page 1388. Page 1388. James 4, verse 3. And James writes, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. James is saying, 
you ask and you don't receive because you're asking out of the flesh is what he's saying. And you spend it on the things that are important to you that are not in alignment with the Father's word. And I thought this was so powerful. I thought, yes, so many times we go, well, God, I prayed. God didn't answer my prayers. And, and James is so clear about that. He's saying, you're asking for things in the wrong manner. You've got to come into this place and let the word change you. Let this word abide in you. And then your prayers will come out of the word of God and out of his purpose for you. If you'll turn back to John 15 where you have your marker. He showed me one more place. He showed me that this place of abiding come, starts with trusting in who Jesus truly is and his goodness. It is the place of allowing his words to abide in us. And then it is a place of allowing our prayers to fall in alignment with his word and his purpose. And then the last place, uh, well, I'm sorry, the next to the last place that he wants us to see is that in this place, it flows out into the mission that he has, which is loving one another. So look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 10 first. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. I thought this was an interesting place because then he began to show me abiding in his love is not just abiding in the Father's love, but it's abiding in his love that moves into the purpose of the kingdom. And verse 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And we've taught on that, this place that now our prayer life that is in alignment with his word, that is in alignment with trusting him, now brings us into this place of creating and understanding the purpose and the mission that God has for us, and that is to love one another as he's loved us. Not just loving one another as we want to love someone, but as he has loved us us he goes on to say he says greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends i thought this is so true this place of laying down one's life so many times we think that's a physical place that's not a physical place it's a spiritual place it's a place when we don't want to do something in the way that needs to be done it's our dying to ourself of laying down our own life and choosing the purpose that God has. And he says in verse 14, you are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. So he's saying right here, he's saying, no greater love than to lay down your life, than to die to yourself for the purpose that he has in enlarging the kingdom. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. If you do this, 
So he's teaching us to abide in him means to trust in him, to get his word in us, to change our prayer life, to align with his purpose and his mission. And then he's saying the fulfillment of that is loving one another. The fulfillment of walking through these places will be to love one another, not just as we want to love them, but as he's loved us, which may absolutely mean that we have to die to our own ways and lay our life down for these friends. But then he, as we just read, he comes on to say, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. But he's just laid this out. So he's saying, if you do this, you're my friend. And then he says, no longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But he's saying, but a friend, they will know. And he's saying, if you've allowed these places to penetrate your heart, this place of the word, it's come and it's penetrated your heart, Deb, and this place of your prayer life is going to change, not how you want to pray, but your purpose that I've created you for, how you ask for things, and how you desire to be in alignment with my purpose and my mission. As you come in alignment, then I will bring you into places where you will love others in a new way that enlarges the kingdom. And he says, then you'll know what I'm doing. He's saying, then I'll let you understand the fullness of the plans that I'm, that I'm working out in you. You will see the kingdom's purpose fulfilled. You will see how I enlarge my kingdom through you. And you will not be a servant. You will be a friend. He said, these things I command you, that you love one another. I love that. So he repeats that. Turn, leave your marker here and go back to 1 John. It's on page 1404, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. It says, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you're born of God, if you've been born again, you're born of God and you will know God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into, wor into the world, that we might live through him. In this, love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation 
for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So in this place, his purpose, his mission is being perfected as we come and love one another. It's being perfected. It's being completed. His purpose in you is being fulfilled. In the last place that God began to show me what falls under this place of abiding, um, skips down to verse 26. And... Um, it says, but when the help, so chapter 15 on page 1243, verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And he said, so as you come in agreement to abide in me, to allow my word to work in you, to bring your prayer life under authority of my word and my truth, then you will be walking into my mission and I will use you to enlarge the kingdom. But he says, but I'm sending you the helper. I'm sending you the helper. And when he comes, he will direct you in, in, to the Father in the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. And then it says he will testify of me. In this place where the Holy Spirit is helping you and growing you, it will be a place that it will give evidence of Jesus. It's such a powerful understanding because this place meaning testify, he will give evidence of Jesus. In other words, people won't see you. They will see Jesus. Jesus will be using you to fulfill his purpose but it has nothing to do with you. It's testifying of him. He the last thing he showed me on the Holy Spirit is that he began to help me see what this would look like, and it's where Paul is talking to us in Galatians 5. So on page 1341... Verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the place of fruit that we're going to see is produced by the Holy Spirit that does testify of him. And you will see these places of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The last scriptures that I want to leave you with are in John chapter 15 where we have our marker. And while you're turning back to that, I want to, um, I want to share with you 
the, just this image one more time as, as God began to show me. He said, you know, that he's the, he's the, uh, he's the vine and we're the branches. And, but, Deb, when you get away from my word and when you are um, going your own way and when you are not surrendered and your prayer life is crying out in fear or worry or concern of how things are going to work out, then it destroys you because you're eating of something outside the vine and it begins to destroy who you are and so it's not where he desires for us to be he desires for us to be in this healthy place which is resting in him completely aware that he provides every single thing that we need And it's peaceful. It doesn't require striving. Oftentimes when we get off in these other places, it requires us to strive to, to fulfill and satisfy our flesh. But he showed me, he said, and then in these places it will bear fruit. And that's the kingdom being enlarged for his purpose. So many times we think our purpose is just for us to have a good time here on earth. and It was never meant to be that way. It was always meant to be for his glory, to testify of him and to bear the fruit of the spirit that would enlarge his kingdom. Oh, I think I may have that fruit a little heavy on that branch. (laughs) He'll probably be okay for a minute. But I thought it was such a good picture. The last couple of places I want to leave you in chapter 15, verse 11. And you can see this. He's, in, he's helping to tie these places in of the fruit of the Spirit. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. He's, he's so aware that if we are in him, if our purpose is aligned with him, if our prayer life is aligned with him, if our desires are aligned with him, his word will fill us up. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, will testify of Jesus, and actually joy will fill our hearts. It says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So oftentimes we're looking for everything to fill us up, to give us joy, to make us feel okay, to help us through a situation and the circumstances. And our joy is going to only come when we are truly connected to the vine. So I pray this has touched your heart today and will challenge you to come into alignment with the Father. If you'll stand with me, we'll praise the Lord.
I deep in 
Yes, I...